The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, gentle listeners, and welcome to the QB Factory Reboot. It has been a while since we recorded an episode, but this is a special edition. I reached out to Mark and I was like, hey, let's record an episode, talk about what we saw from Jalen Hurts week six against the Jets in this loss. Unfortunately, it was the first loss ever to the Jets, but we're going to talk about what we saw. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to be back with Mark. It's been a while. We're recording on a Thursday morning, afternoon-ish. It's Thursday, October 19th. And, yeah, we're just going to talk about what we saw. Um, I'm Rachel Prevet, as always, joined by my QB expert, Mark Schofield. And before we get started, don't forget to rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on uh, Twitter at BGN underscore radio, and you can follow us on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta. But what's up, Mark? It's been a while. We do Monday Football Monday yep. every week. I still get to see you every week, but we haven't done this show in a while. And so how is everything going? It's it's going well, as I was just telling you. Those that are watching online on YouTube or wherever you watch this show and you're not listening if it's some moment you see over my shoulder here this shoulder right there right there okay if you see somebody like walk in and look a little bit confused we're getting some work done here at the house at the at the homestead and so it's not like a halloween skit gone awry like this is not a horror movie situation i'm not about to (laughs) you know befall some sort of you know horrible ending or anything like that we'll just get some work done so i just want to put that out there in case you know, anybody gets scared or anything like that. No, no, things are good. Things are good. Um, what we would do the QB factory reboot, yes. we would always start with either a movie quote or a yes. song lyric. And I feel I've got the perfect one picked out. And it's not just because my daughter went to see the sh- the movie last weekend, as I told you about Rachel, where she saw the Taylor Swift movie. It was like Simone's day of fun because she had an ice skated birthday party in the morning followed by a surprise birthday party for another friend where they surprised her at a screening of the Taylor Swift concert movie that rolled into a dinner, which was, I guess, just milkshakes. That's what I've been told. Followed by a sleepover. Like, Simone had the Saturday that fourth grade girls, like, dream of. Dream of. Absolute dream Saturday. But it made me think when we said we were going to do this show of the perfect song lyric, which is this, from Taylor Swift. And it's not just a lyric, it's a title. You need to calm down, okay? You need to calm down, Eagles fans, okay? And we'll get into the how and the why, but this is still a very good football team. 
this is still a very good offense. Mm -hmm. This is still a very good quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I'm going to, we'll talk, we'll talk about this in a minute. When you take a step back and look at the rest of the league, I'm a Patriots fan, kids. Like it could be a lot worse. And the NFC scoring is down a little bit. The NFL writ large scoring is down a little bit. This is a very good football team with a very good offense, a very good quarterback, very good defense. They're going through some sort of, you know, I, I, I'd say some learning curves yes. that we can also talk about, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I get the frustration. I think it was a perfect, perfect song, song title lyric um, yeah. to choose because I think everything you just said is right hitting the nail on its head. Um, and I get it from Eagles fans because going into this game, you know, the 49ers had already lost. So it was like everybody was saying, you know, the Eagles are the only remaining undefeated team left. Let's just, you know, seal this pretty much and keep it pushing. It was expected to be a comfortable win against the Jets and everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Um, so I get the frustration, but I understand 100%. And I agree with you that we need to calm down because they're still in a really good place. And I think that even though we saw so many things go wrong against the Jets, I am so confident that that's not going to be the same thing against the Dolphins week seven. Like, I don't yeah. think we're going to get a repeat by any means. And so the quote, uh, the quote that I chose was from A Bug's Life. I love like little kid movies. So I was like, you know, it was only right. So it was a quote from Hopper in the Bugs Life. And he says, um, first rule of leadership, everything is your fault. And so, like I mentioned, so many things went wrong for the Eagles on Sunday. Like the injuries were piling up. One of the most significant injuries, of course, was Lane Johnson going out. And that took a toll on the birds for sure. The turnovers were unacceptable. We saw four turnovers in that game. We saw some uncharacteristic drops, specifically from Devontae Smith, um, who we just don't see that from him. The offensive play calling was definitely still an area of question that needs work. And also, um, just like the secondary that continues to be a weakness. We also saw Jalen Hurts have probably the worst game of his career. That throw specifically, the last interception, and we're going to get into this very shortly, was probably the worst throw that we've ever seen from him. Um, and I thought that, you know, we used to talk about on the QB Factory how he was making progress. But I think in this game specifically, he retreated back to some of his old ways. We saw him making some questionable you know, decisions. We saw him making um, decisions to build the pocket a little bit too early. We saw him just holding on to the ball a little bit too long as well. And so we're going to get into all of this, but I do respect that the fact, you know, he owned up to all of his mistakes to no surprise, because that's who he is. Um, and he took full accountability and responsibility for this loss. And now his focus is just responding and how we're going to learn from this. And so I thought that that quote was perfect. First rule of leadership, he is the leader of this team as the quarterback. Everything is your fault. He was not the sole reason for the loss, but he took the blame for all of it. And so that's what I chose. Yeah. A, I absolutely love the quote. It's perfect. B, I love the reason behind it. Fantastic stuff there. C, RJ, your takes on Cars, the movie, no good, man. 
I mean, you saw him tweet that out in the middle of Monday Night Football, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, he basically in the middle of that game Monday night was just like, since we've got a little bit of a downtime, we've watched Cars as a family now, and I don't see it. Like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. it's it's just an okay movie. And JP immediately lost his mind. Oh, I didn't see that because I know we talked about it. You we guys talked about it. about it. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. I didn't see the uh, tweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're gonna. The, the next show we do is, is going to be feisty. Let's just put it that yeah. way. But all of what you said was absolutely right about Hertz and this team. And like, I, I think it was like a perfect storm of angst for Eagles fans on Sunday. Cause as you said, look, Niners lose early. It gets to be four 30 in the East coast. And you're thinking we're going to have the top spot of the NFC. By the time this day is done, we're going yeah. to get Zach Wilson, right? Yeah. Like, Zach Wilson has looked incrementally better at playing quarterback than he had, that he certainly did last year. But, it, I mean, it's still not a great offense. They're down their, their top two corners, right? Sauce Gardner is watching the game on the sidelines. He's a spectator like the rest of us. Yep. And, oh, by the way, you've got the Phillies that can't stop hitting home runs. Like, everything's going great for the Phillies right now. And so you've got, like, all of these things coming together. You're thinking it's going to be a great afternoon, evening for the Eagles and it falls apart, and then you see Blaine Johnson go down. You see, as you said, Hurts make that third interception. We can break it down whenever you want, or we can hey. just say it was one of the worst throws I've ever seen Jalen Hurts oh. make. Like I don't, I don't understand what he was looking at. I don't understand yeah. what he was thinking. I, it, it's almost like, you know, the proverbial idea of quicksand, right? When it's going wrong and it's going wrong and it's going wrong and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting to try to make things better, all you're doing is really making it worse. And it felt like that the late throw where you're just like chucking it downfield where maybe there was a slight window you could have hit on it, but yeah. it was just like you were making things worse. Like yes. this perfect storm of angst came together. So when it got to be about 7 p.m. on the East Coast, Eagles fans were like, oh, my God, what the, yeah. heck, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Um. I think it's only right that we start with the bad first. I like to end things on a high note, you yeah. know, and like I said, I don't think we're going to see a repeat against the Dolphins. And so I think we should just get into it. Hertz did finish with 327 total yards. He had two touchdowns and he threw three interceptions, finishing with a 59.5 QB rating. And so just something to know, like his interceptions so far this year have surpassed what we saw last year um he has seven interceptions in six games so far this season compared to 2022 where he only had six interceptions through 18 games and that was including the playoffs and so uh let's just start where you were just you know talking about that third interception which was just atrocious like it was just so bad like what did you see from Jalen Hurts in that play yeah it's weird like Let's start with the route concept because basically you're in two by two inside receivers to both sides run like curls. It's, it's third and nine. They're basically running stick concept at the sticks, right? They're just getting to the first down marker outside receivers release vertically. And they just basically can read it. It looks like because one runs a deeper curl. The other just stays vertical. You know, Devonta Smith on the right side of the field just stays vertical. So you get the feeling that inside guys checking up the sticks, outside guys can check up or stay vertical if they think they can win over the top. Now, given the route layout and design like that, and again, I always qualify with I don't know for certain. Like, I, I, I haven't studied the film, haven't played the position, things like that. Like, this is my best educated guess here. 
this is what they're calling sort of a pick aside concept for Hertz, right? Where it's not just like, hey, if the coverage is this, you do this, and the coverage is, you know, not that, then you do something differently. It's pick your best side and throw it because this is on the left hash mark. And so sometimes when you get these sort of mirrored route concept where it's basically the same thing to both sides, you call it a pick aside concept, pick your best matchup, pick your best throw, pick in some cases your shortest throw. When we ran routes like this in college and it was on one hash mark, our first read was often going to be like, look, take the shorter throw, take the easier throw, the quicker throw, the shorter throw. That's where you're going to look first. That's what he does because he opens to his left. The ball is on the left hash mark. Now, I wonder if, in a sense, he sort of got baited a bit because right before the ball is snapped, they're almost showing him a zero blitz look, right? There's no safety deep. Every defender is within, say, nine yards of the line of scrimmage, and the one deepest defender is kind of shaded over the running back. You're seeing what look to be man coverage indicators. You've got two defenders lurking over you on the left side doesn't really look like they're covering anybody looks like they're going to blitz right so he might be thinking look i'm going to get pressured here i'm going to get this out and make a quick decision well right when the play begins everybody bails they just rush four and they're dropping basically into spot drop cover three that one defender that was lurking over the running back he retreats he's the deep middle safety Everybody drops it instead of playing, man, they kind of got eyes on him. Now the outside corners are kind of in mag man everywhere he goes looks, but it's like, it's, it's a zone coverage look instead. And now you've got where he wants to throw instead of a one-on-one matchup, you've basically got this defender bracketed inside up. You've got the curl flat defender with outside leverage, the hook curl defender who you might've a second ago thought was blitz. It has inside leverage this isn't where you want to go with the throw. Like this is one of those moments that we've talked about it over the years, right? Where you have pre-snap expectations as a quarterback, post-snap reality as a quarterback. And sometimes those don't align and you have to reset your expectations. And so now when you see this rotation, right, you've got inside out basically on both those inside receivers. You've got, corners that are playing over the top of the vertical routes like you've got to change your expectations you've got to change what you're going to do here now what he tries to do is thread the needle and we see it doesn't work like like there is no world in which he starts to throw this ball where this pass is getting completed as talented as he is Mm -hmm. as good of an arm as he has like that throw is not going to get completed where could he have gone honestly nowhere like if you look at and Look, I, I don't like screenshot scouting, just taking a glimpse when you get so many moving parts and saying, look, this is what he should have done. Mm-hmm. But you, when you freeze this right when the ball is coming out, there's really nowhere for him to go. Like the best option might have been that curl route to the inside receiver on the right side, but it's a longer throw. And you still basically have inside out leverage on that defender because you've got the other curl flat defender on the outside. You've got the other hook curl defender on the inside. The Jets kind of beat them here. Like, yeah. like, that's the reality of it. The Jets beat him here. And so what's your decision? Throw it away. Like, yeah. like when push comes to shove, throw it away. Like, lead, you know, you're up to, there's yeah, like five two. minutes left in the game, right? No, two minutes. Left two minutes. Game. It was two minutes. Yeah. Like make Zach Wilson have to beat you. Like, yeah. I, I think that's the ultimate decision that he should have made. Again, with the benefit of the fact that we've had, I've had five days to study this. I have a pause button. Like, I have everything. And yes, for those of you that are watching, never in a million years would I have in, 
my best day been able to hit a throw like this or even throw it away. I, I probably would have thrown it right to a defensive tackle. <laughs> but like that's probably the best decision, which leads me back to the underlying point. There's quicksand. Like things were going so wrong when I'd say 16 other games in the season or 15 other games of the year, he would have thrown it away. He felt like he just had to make that play. He, he yeah. had to fix it all himself and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think another play that happened in the fourth quarter as well, like I mentioned, a lot of things were just starting to play a toll on Hertz because I think he was starting to panic. The first half of the game, I think he did fine. And we'll go back to the good, a lot of the good that we saw. But like in the fourth quarter alone, I was like, this is not the Jalen Hurts that we're used to seeing. And so one of the plays that I saw that was just bad and a perfect example of him retreating back to his old ways, panicking and just forcing a throw was also um, the interception. I think this was 13 minutes and 53 seconds remaining in the fourth. Yeah. This was a uh, first and 10. Okay. And so the pass was, I think this was a pass was intended to Kenny Gainwell, but it was intercepted by Bryce Hall. And so in this play, he drops back. He immediately feels the pressure from the Jets defenders. I think it was four of them. And it's like he just gets nervous. Like he just starts to panic and he forces a throw to Kenny Gainwell. And I think that's the one that's tipped and is intercepted. He had Dallas Goddard who was wide open. And I think that he could have either scrambled one or he could have, you know, just dunked it to Dallas Goddard who was wide open. And so that play uh, he just panicked. Like yeah. I, that's all I can say. Because and, and I'm so glad you're, I'm so glad this is such a brilliant point that you brought this play up because I think it also feeds into the, the final interception, right? Because he's feeling pressure pretty quick off the snap here. And you can tell it's gotten to him a little bit. Like you said, like he could have done something differently. You could tell he was like uneasy by it. He takes yeah. a shot on this play as well. And then if you remember what we were just talking about with that final interception, he's got a blitz look. So he's thinking already, like I'm going to get hit again. I, I've got to speed this up. I've got to do something quick. And it's so quick to get the ball out that he probably doesn't take that extra step and think, is this the best throw for me to make? So I think these two plays sort of go hand in hand, right? Like you get Lane Johnson's on the side that he's hurt with this. Your, your right tackle gets beat pretty quickly. You start feeling a little bit of pressure. You get hit, you take a shot, and you think, okay, well, next time I'm in a similar situation, I got to be even faster. And, and one problem begets the second problem. Like, quicksand you fight against it and you get into yourself into even more problems and so i think these two plays sort of go together i also look i went back and watched all seven of the interceptions to get ready for this show and look some of them are just he's got a good matchup but he likes it he'll take a one-on-one -on -one shot and things like that some of them are route miscommunications between him and a player like the interception he threw at the end of the first half against tampa bay it's a halfback option you know, the running back is walled off to the inside. He's got a defender playing inside leverage against him. You think the running back should either check up on a, like, sort of curl out of the backfield or even break to the outside. But okay. Swift thinks he can beat the linebacker inside and get across his face because he knows he's a better athlete. So he tries to get that angle in front of him. But Hertz throws it to the outside and, and it gets picked off. Like, there's route miscommunication issues at times. 
like I think these three and these two in particular are a result of the problems that we saw unfold over this Jets game just come to a calamitous end. Yeah, I think it came down to his lack of trust for the offensive line in those situations. Yeah. Like you said, it was like other stuff that had happened, and now he's like, okay, uh, this like I I had to for something because of their mistakes. And I think that's what happened in that place specifically as well. Yeah. Um, I have one more bad. If you have another one. Uh, and this go, was go for nitpicky, it. Honestly. Yep. Um, because it resulted in a touchdown. <laughs> but this was, uh, when was this? I don't even remember when. Second quarter. Second quarter, second and nine. Uh, five minutes, 38 seconds remaining. This was a touchdown to DeAndre Swift. And I didn't think that his Hurts' ball placement was perfect on this specific play um, because this was the pass where uh, Swift kind of had to, like, adjust his body in a way to make that catch because the throw was slightly behind him. So it resulted in a touchdown. A touchdown is a touchdown. It's points. But it, was not, it wasn't a perfect um, play perfect throw from hers again kids okay <laughs> we don't go over these plays ahead of time when we do these shows we never have we just come in with the stuff we want to talk about but if there's another example of Rachel and i basically being on the same page and hey. on the same mind and setting things up because yeah. this is the halfback option design we were just talking about from tampa bay it's the same yeah. kind of thing okay. we're swift okay. and it's the same two players swift's coming out of the backfield this time they are on the same page okay, okay. so you know, Swift's got basically what we call a two-way go, right? When he comes out of the backfield and gets to, say, like five yards downfield, he's reading the situation and he's breaking inside, outside, or sort of sitting down. Here, mm -hmm. you see the nearest defender has outside leverage on him. Swift is at the top of the numbers, right? Okay. Like when you pause it when he makes the break, the, this play begins, it's a second and goal at the nine. He's okay. standing at the top of the 10-yard line, the, like the physical 10 that's painted on the field. He's at the top of the zero, right? Mm -hmm. nearest defender is a couple yards downfield sort of at the bottom of the zero so he's got that outside leverage so swift isn't going to break to the outside i'll be running right into him he's going to cut inside the inside defender the nearest inside defender is covering you know aj brown on his shallow crosser and so this is going to be open if he goes to the inside now you're right the placement is bad because he's open. Like, this is as NFL open as it gets. Mm -hmm. And Swift has to make this sort of adjustment to come back. Now it still works out. Yeah. <laughs> but if the safety breaks on this quicker, this could be a situation where he gets hit as a result instead of having a sort of catch and walk in touchdown. Yeah. And this is one of those examples where people talk about, oh, what are you saying? Somebody's ball placement is bad. Look at his completion percentage. This is a play that's a completion. Yeah. Right? But it's not a good, it's not a well-placed throw. And this is sort of the difference between how I often break it down, accuracy versus ball placement. This mm -hmm. is a accurate throw because it's catchable, right? An mm -hmm. accurate throw is a catchable throw, but it's a poor example of ball placement. A good ball place, a good example of ball placement would be a throw upfield, catch, run, touchdown. This is an accurate throw because it's catchable, but it's not a good example of ball placement. I like that. I'm going to keep that in mind. I like yeah, that. Yeah. That's that's why like you you see and you know thankfully I don't have to do QB rankings too often but <laughs> yeah. uh Stephen Reeves for example my dear friend over at the Raider when he does quarterback rankings and sometimes mm -hmm. he'll ding somebody for ball placement issues and people will be like oh but his completion percentage is 68%. It's like yeah. 
this play is a completion. It yeah. goes in the books as a completion, but it's not a good example of ball placement. And these are the kind of things that, that people point to when they talk about ball placement versus accuracy. Okay. All right. Well, we touched on some bad. And so now let's touch on some of the good. Because there was some good that we saw from this game as well. And so I think that everybody has probably done their uh breakdown on this specific play because it was probably one of the best throws that we saw all game it was a grown man throw made from Jalen Hurts and it was a really good decision by him uh this was the opening drive the 19 play 90 yard opening drive that took nine minutes and 54 seconds off the clock and resulted in a touchdown to put the Eagles on the board for seven zero um and so I thought everything about this throw this was the one Jalen Hurts, okay, let me run it back. This was 10 minutes and 53 seconds remaining in the first. This was third and seven. And I thought that everything about this was chef's kiss. It was a fantastic job by Jalen Hurts being able to avoid pressure, getting the ball off, and perfectly placed on A.J. Brown before he runs out of bounds while being completely draped over by a defender and he's like stiff arming him in a way and so the fact that he was able to get that pass off on time and target was very very impressive and I think everybody's talked about this by now because it was just a grown man throw it was very yeah. impressive yeah I mean the the, uh, the SB Nation main slack just exploded when this yeah. play happened and and our dear friend JP Acosta just like typed out in all caps you know Jalen Hurts lifts with the lineman and yeah. A, Jalen Hurts does lift with alignment, as his you know, counterpart who we'll see this weekend, too, have reminded us. Like, when yeah. he was in Alabama, he lifted with alignment. Like, this, this is a powerful, powerful guy. But to be able to not just get that throw off, like, mm -hmm. if this play was a throwaway, we'd yeah. still probably highlight it as a great example of quarterback play because the play strength – and, you know, when you scout quarterbacks, when you scout players in general, like, play strength is a category you check off and people wonder – what does play strength at the quarterback position look like? This is it, right? Mm -hmm. Because every other quarterback in the league probably goes down for a sack on this play. Yeah. Maybe, or, or we'll say like at least half of them go down. Another like say, you know, third or so probably at least got a throw off. Mm -hmm. Not too many of them are making this throw to complete it in this fashion the way Hertz does. Like this is play strength at the quarterback position and it matters. Like now you've got instead of punt team coming off the field in yep. fourth and seven, you got a fresh set of downs. And as yep. you said, they finished this drive with a touchdown. Like this was a play that mattered early in the game. And if they had gone on to win this game 14 12, yeah, Hertz had thrown it away instead of that third reception, people would probably come back to this play and say, Man, th this is different. Like, yeah. know, like this is a reason why they're gonna win games because of Jalen Hurts. Yep. What's another play, another good play that you saw that stood out? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's another reason why this entire sort of game is frustrating is that up until, say, I guess almost maybe the fourth quarter, yeah. you're probably thinking like this This is a pretty decent Jalen Hurts game. It was. You know, that one sort of stood out. I mean, a, a throw that I loved, Yes, it was first, you know, third and eight. Earlier in that drive, first okay. quarter, 12-15, okay. it's mm -hmm. right hash mark. He's throwing speed out to A.J. Brown to the left side. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, they bring a little bit of pressure. 
and we talk all the time about time and rhythm anticipation, right? I, I've literally got a shorthand T slash R attached slash A when I take notes, time and rhythm anticipation road. Okay. This is a perfect example of it because look, this ball comes out of his hand and AJ Brown has just started to break, right? Okay. Like he's still getting upfield. He's still looking at the corner. Like he hasn't even got his eyes around and the ball is coming out from Hurts. Like this is teaching tape. This is what, you know, when I'm coaching kids in the spring, I'm going to be like, this is what time and rhythm anticipation looks like. This is what TRA looks like. This is it right here. Like, again, if he's a step later on this, it's an incompletion. If he's a step and a half later, it's an interception. If he's a step and two thirds later, it's a pick six the other way. Like there is such a small window to complete throws like this in the NFL to begin with, but in particular on routes like this, right hash, left sideline, you have to be pristine with your timing and rhythm. And there it is. Okay. I thought another, another play that was very similar to the first play that I just mentioned about AJ Brown was this was in the third quarter it was 44 seconds remaining first and 10 and I thought that it was a 22 yard completion to Devontae Smith um Jalen Hurts is looking downfield it looks like he doesn't really see anybody open and the pocket is kind of starting to collapse a little bit so he bails and he hits Devontae Smith while he's on the move um right before Smitty runs out of bounds. And so another one I thought placement was there. He was on time with his receiver. And I thought it was a good job of him not bailing when the pocket started to, well, he does bail, but it wasn't like he panicked when the pocket started to collapse. And so I thought that that was another one that was really strong. And it was kind of similar. Uh, mind you, he didn't have a defender draping on him, like in the one he um, completed to AJ Brown, but he went to the right side um and he hits him right before he's um he's on the move he hits him right before he runs out of bounds yeah and, and what's great about this play is how many times did we do shows where it was that first flash of pressure and he bails completely out of the pocket right yeah. mm -hmm. he tries people talk about fight or flight in the pocket right your, your fight or flight response as a quarterback and you want that first response to be to try and fight and if it all, if you just simply cannot and you run out of options to stay and fight, then you bail, then you fly away. Here he tries to fight first, right? Because as you said, look, he doesn't bail the pocket immediately. He first tries to take a step, sort of slide to his left. Then that edge sort of folds on him. Then he tries to sort of retreat back to the right. And then that sort of folds in on him as well. And he sees this little crease where he can sort of step up and extend and now fly away from the pressure. So he tries two different responses first to stay and fight in the pocket. When he still runs out of options, that's when he bails. And it's yes. that sort of, you know, don't go A to Z. Go mm -hmm. A to B to C. And then if you have to, get to Z. This is a great example because the Jalen Hurts of year two, the Jalen Hurts of, you know, I don't, I'd say more Jalen Hurts year two because he started yeah. to do more of this late in year two, as we talked about, would have mm -hmm. just bailed right away. And maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to hit Devonta downfield as he does here. Yeah. So that was my other good one. Um, did you have another one or did you want to? Yeah. Forward? I mean, just quickly, the vertical shot that he had to AJ Brown along the left sideline, the over yeah. the I mean, that was just a bucket ball. That was a good I mean, just, just a yeah. great throw. We don't need to like break into it because it's simple yeah. nine route, go route, but just a great throw. Yeah, I had that one as well. Um, so, yeah, 
Uh, we talked on the good. We talked on the bad. Now we're going to throw to a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to briefly touch on what to expect from Tua Tunga-Vailoa in the Miami Dolphins come week seven. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. So before the break, we broke down what we saw, the good and the bad from Jalen Hurts week six in the loss against the Jets. But now we're turning the page to week seven against the Miami Dolphins, who defeated the Panthers week six. And so um, they're also five and one. And I know we talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, but one of the storylines in the NFL right now is Tua Tungavailoa and the fact that he's a clear front runner for MVP. Um, and so he currently has an NFL leading 1,876 yards passing. Um, and I mean, he just looked really, really good. So where do you stand with that topic? Do you feel that he's the clear front runner um, for MVP? Clear? I, I'd say he's the front runner. I don't know if I'd say clear because there are three players that for me right now are sort of atop that category. It's Tua. I, I think Christian McCaffrey is so critical to what the 49ers do. Yeah. And then Jared Goff, kids. As yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago on Monday, Football Monday, and I got a little bit of pushback from JP and RJ, but like they're five and one too. Yeah. And, and Jared Goff has played extremely well. And so, um, you know, I, I but I think Tua is playing extremely well. I, I actually brought a prop. Oh, for the Dolphins and what to expect this week. It's not so much a prop, but it, 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 it's it, it's. I gotta hold it up here. Speed, yeah. Speed. They are ridiculously fast as a team. Like, and here's why that sort of matters right now. Because as we talked about at the outset, right? Like, scorn is down, and you know, last week, for example, I think only 24 teams, one of which were the Dolphins, scored more than 24 points in a game. Like you're seeing red zone percentages with touchdowns come down, like scored overall, like touchdown per game. Like there are so many different stats. I got an email actually this morning from some company and I'm just going to give them a quick shout out from, what is it? The sports daily. They email this to me. You get, we get these random PR pitches, but I was like, this one's kind of useful, right? Touchdowns per game, 2.32. That's the lowest mark since 2006. Score. It is down 12.5% since 2020. Passing touchdowns per game, 1.32. That's the lowest mark since 2008. Like total yards, lowest mark since 2008. Like offenses are struggling right now. Defenses have sort of, I don't want to say they've fully caught up, but they've had some answers. 
the Dolphins seem so, almost impervious to that right now because they're such an explosive offense. They're so fast, but they can run the ball extremely well. And that speed is a reason why. Because if you're a defensive coordinator, if you're the Eagles defensive coordinator this week, you are terrified about Tyreek Hill, right? You're terrified about Jalen Wall. So you're going to try to solve the problem with numbers, right? You know, too deep, quarters, whatever you want to do because you don't want them beating you deep. Yes. The Dolphins see so many light boxes that they're running against, you know, five defenders in the box, six defenders in the box. And they have one of the best yards per attempt in the run game that we've seen in recent memory because that speed, how fast they are. Yes. We, we see it show up when Tyreek gets behind the defense and catches a nine ball and does a flip in the end zone, which yeah. was so incredibly cool. Yeah. Like that video that he did. I know everybody pulled it down immediately, but yeah. the internet lives forever and you can find it and it's so right. awesome, but you're afraid of that, yeah. that while that's happening, you're doing everything you can to prevent it. They're ripping off seven yard gains on the ground. I mean, when they hung 70 on the Broncos a couple of weeks ago, a couple of those touchdowns in the fourth quarter with their backups were just inside runs, but you're still calling those plays to prevent the big play that you're ripping off these huge runs. And so they're a tough team to defend right now. Like because of that speed, because of what they can create offensively, because of how that speed gives them opportunities to run the ball as well. They're a very tough team to defend. Yeah, and I think that with Tyreek Hill, you see him and his ability to line up anywhere. And I think that Mike McDaniel does a really good job of getting creative with their offense. And so I was watching this one video and it was pretty much just breaking down some of the film. And they were talking about how with Mike McDaniel, it's like, okay, they have their offensive scheme, uh, offensive play schemed up. The defense presents like a, a problem, but then it's like they always have like an answer to whatever, whatever that problem that's, you know, presented is. And so they do a really good job with being able to just answer whatever the problem is and be able to get around that. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, the Eagles, especially with this secondary yeah, so banged up yeah and then it has been a weakness is i don't know what their answer is going to be for tyree kill and jalen waddle and then yeah. you also have the running back raheem mustard yeah it, it's really hard it, that's such a great point about what they do schematically because what it was like week one and two right is that little short travel burst cheat whatever you want to call it motion right where it's yeah. you're almost giving tyree kill a head start which isn't exactly fair but yeah <laughs> i mean it's Legal. And, and so you're, you're seeing them do that little cheat motion and then run vertical, cheat motion, run vertical, right? So now every defensive coordinator is like, oh, we see that cheat motion. We got to like either check to something or we got to soften our coverage. If you're the corner out there, you've got to bail. So what do they start doing? They'll show you that cheat motion and then run outside zone off of it. Then run inside zone off of it. So now they've shown the entire league, hey, we do this. We're going to throw deep. Everybody starts, okay, these are the checks. These are the adjustments we got to do. So then they fold in the next layer, which is, yeah, yeah, we'll show you that. You think in deep pass, we'll run the football. So now you got two things to worry about. At some point, they're going to do what they did this past week, right? They got the orbit motion where the guy comes into the backfield and comes out, and you're thinking deep pass. He's, he's a lead blocker on basically a swing screen. Like McDaniel has done a very good job of showing defenses one thing, setting that as like a foundation, giving them one thing to worry about and then fold it in the new things. And what's great about this was if you think that how good they were last year, yeah, defense is caught up to what they were doing and it seemed like he didn't have the counterpunch, right? Mm -hmm. So this year he almost got ahead of it. 
He's like, I'm going to show you this stuff at first. You'll do these adjustments. I've got the counters ready to go. That's that's a sign of great growth from McDaniel as a play designer, play caller. And so, look, hats off to him. They're a tough team to defend. The teams that can even just slow them down do a very good job of it. Mm-hmm. And they're just balanced, similar to how the Eagles are on their offense with pass game, run game. They have, what, number one pass game, run game in the league. And so – it's just going to be a, a tough challenge for the birds, but I think they're capable of it. They have talented players as well. I just think like we touched on the secondary is going to be tested for sure. And we'll yeah. see. How it, it, what, we'll see how it plays out, but it's going to be one heck of a game to watch. Yes. And I'm excited for it, but uh, that's going to be a wrap on this episode of the QB factory reboot. Thank you, Mark, for taking the time to do this for me. Like old times sake. I do appreciate it. Um, this was really fun. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again a little bit later in the season. How about that? Yeah, yeah, we definitely can get another one scheduled for sure. But um, like I mentioned earlier, this episode is brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You guys, don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. uh, Follow us on Twitter at BGN underscore radio and follow us on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta. All right, Mark. That's a wrap. Go Phillies. (laughs) Go Phillies. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Go Phillies.